Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Bonner looking to get close side of Von. Le Bondra away from David! 3-1 running! Three points running! Hello and welcome to the first Elm Park Royals preview pod of the year in association with the Reading Chronicle. I'm here with Matt Joy. How are you doing, Matt? How's your summer been? It's been lovely, mate, and I, and I hope yours and everyone who's who's listening in has as well. Uh, it's been very nice, very refreshing. Uh, and congratulations, by the way. We no one would have heard this, but you weren't sure how to get the uh, intro going again. You're wondering what button to press. So well done for doing the right one there. Yeah, thankfully in the um championship preview Alex had to do it all because I didn't have the login so this is the first time I've, I've really been back at it this season and oh, it's it. a bit daunting but yeah I think I just about got through it um I saw that you went to the uh the Crystal Palace game as a fan right how was that yeah it was absolutely brilliant yeah it was um my uncle uh as a all that side of the family are all Palace fans and Sadly, uh, we we lost my nan over the summer, and my uncle came over for the for the funeral and, and what have you, and he's, he's staying around here for a bit. And when that that preseason came up, you know, fans being back in the ground, I couldn't really resist, so went up there with him and, and you know my old man. So it was it was lovely. It was very nice to sort of after like you know last year it was very sterile. It, it kind of felt like training sessions half the games because of you know the lack of support. So to be right in amongst it was uh, was very very enjoyable. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I mean, that's what everyone is looking forward to this year, isn't it? Just just fans being back in the stadium. Uh, Stoke this weekend, uh, it might be a bit of a drive, but it sounds like there's a, a fair few going. Mm, yeah, and it will be a, a, it's always a good atmosphere at, at Stoke. Uh, I remember the one we did, was it two years ago? The nil-nil, um, no shots on target, freezing cold, but it was still a, a relatively decent atmosphere. So, um yeah, I think if, you, if you're going to pick an away game where you're, all the fans are coming back for the first time in a long time, Stoke's not a bad one to have. I, I can imagine it will be a, a decent noise generated there tomorrow. I think it was Talk Reading on Twitter or someone uh, was saying that the last three Reading-Stoke matches at the Bet365 have ended nil-nil and Reading have had two shots on target in total in those three matches. So I'm not sure if we're yeah. expecting a uh, 
you know, a classic, but it, it should be fun. Like, what, what has Panovic been saying about, um, let, let's go with the squad firstly, because obviously we'll get on to some other subjects about the summer and, and transfers and whatnot. But um, Reno had a knock, I think, for last uh, last week, but he seems to be back in contention for the weekend. Yeah, yeah, Reno. Uh, at this point, we we spoke to Panovic a bit earlier than normal. We spoke to him on uh, Tuesday this week, um, and we we haven't heard anything. There's not been any murmurings of anything different. So at this point, it looks like yeah, fully fit squad, other than uh, Yaku Mate, obviously, and and Felipe Arena, who's still working on his recovery. But other than that, Reno back, and the the options are looking at a little less threadbare than they did at, at some points during preseason. That's for sure. Do we think that those uh, youngsters might get a run out in, uh, I'm thinking mainly of Femi Aziz, who seems to have kind of been tried out on that right wing, and Ethan Bristow on the left, um, at left back? Or do we think that he'll go with, you know, tried and tested? I I wouldn't be surprised to see Tom McIntyre starting at left back tomorrow, for example. I think, yeah, you've answered that for me. I think I I would be surprised to see um, Bristow in the starting eleven with Aziz. I think he's got more of a chance, um, but I, I would probably imagine at this point he he may come off the bench. He did himself no harm, it must be said, during the the preseason period. I thought, although Reading's performances weren't you know scintillating, let's just say, I thought he looked really really good. He, he looked like he was a, a tricky player. You know, I was impressed with his movement. He was always sort of you know around the uh, around the shoulders of the last man, kind of just like a fly that won't leave you alone. He was always sort of there and, and buzzing about. And I think he's, he's yeah, certainly uh, one, to, one to keep an eye out for this year. He, he could, well, um, I think him and uh, Dejan Tetek, I think the scene is maybe set for them to, to have a, a breakthrough campaign, you know, whether they'll reach the heights of some of the breakthrough campaigns, i.e. Michael Elise and, and, you know, Omar Richards that we've seen in recent years, that's obviously less certain, but I think that, yeah, it's set out for them to have a, an exciting season. I think the best bit about Aziz is, and I'm not saying he's as good as Yaku Mate, but he does seem to be a player in the same kind of mould. Um, you know, he's able to run in behind. He's deceptively strong, like the couple of times uh, I've seen him. And and the saddest bit is he apparently scored an excellent goal in pre-season at Brighton and none of us have seen it. None of us have seen it, and I don't think many people were even aware it was happening at the, at the point it was happening. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I think the, the Mato comparison is a fair one. I, what I'm particularly impressed with him as well is it, it, he's brave. You know, he didn't he didn't shy away from sometimes um, Reading have been guilty, and even some of Reading's more experienced players, and he didn't do it as much during preseason. But I thought players like Ovi Ajaria, uh, over the last campaign were, you know, just a little bit slow sometimes to either take on a man or move the ball. It, it was always kind of a, well, not always, but sometimes it was a case of a couple of step overs, a, a little ball roll, and then, you know, they've got a bit more organisation. Whereas Aziz was, yeah, he, he wasn't wasn't shy of losing the ball. He didn't, you know, his head didn't drop if he lost possession. He was, he was keen to get back at them and um, that can only serve him well. It's not many times that the first game of the season is sort of a backstory, but this season it does appear that way. And the big story is obviously the transfer embargo and whether we're going to sign anyone. Um, what has Pauno been saying about it? And, and can you shed any more light than is already out there? Well, Pauno, he, he, I think, you know, he by no means has he done everything right uh, at Reading. But one thing I would say that, you know, a few people have been 
slightly frustrated with you know his lack of comments you know his lack of clarity you could say but there, there genuinely hasn't been anything you know that he can share that the conversations are still ongoing uh, above him he's as frustrated as everyone else um you know we spoke to him on on tuesday and as i'm speaking off air to you most of the questions ended up circling back to that be it you know what what's your thoughts on the squad depth that would end up back at that you know transfers contracts all this sort of thing so he's fully aware you know he's fully aware and he is you know he was speaking candidly he said you know at this point the squad's probably not where i wanted it to be but you know on the other side he did share a sense of you know as much as there was frustration a sense that you could see that a resolution he hoped certainly was was on the horizon and it's taken a lot longer than he would have hoped for it, i completely understand all the frustration um but at this point i would also say that you know we've lost omar richards we lost michael elisa yeshua and, and yaku mates you know out for a, a lengthy period and that none of those are good, good things but oh, the squad, the starting eleven injuries, you know, aside, I think is still strong. It's more than strong enough to compete for a top half finish. There is a lack of depth, and you know, you'd be blind, to, you know, to showing blind faith if you didn't uh, didn't admit that. But I think there there could well be a resolution around the corner. I think there, Reading will certainly have their eye on. I would have thought, you know three or four new additions if if the financial situation allows and at this point if you ask me to say whether I thought it would or not I would cautiously say I think they will be allowed to but you know, obviously things change every day behind uh, closed doors just look at Lionel Messi yesterday no one really envisaged that Danny Ings you could point at that one as well things you know change all the time in football but at this point I think there there has been at least a sense that there has been progress and hopefully it will be um yeah, hopefully it'll be clarified sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think one of the things that is interesting is that, in, at least as far as I can tell, Reading are in virtually the same situation they've been in for the past, you know, two summers, uh, where they haven't been able to sign anyone until very late on in the window. Those are subject to EFL approval and we're not able to mm. um, pay transfer fees or loan fees or, you know, mm. two big contracts. Um, is that your reading of the situation as well? Is it uh, is it just the fact that this has been put up on an EFL website that has got people a bit jittery, um, but it isn't anything new? I think there's a touch that yeah, there there is there, there has been stuff obviously in, in previous transfer windows. I think that the main reason you know it's been blown up to the proportion that it has been it has probably been the, the high profile departures and you know when you lose a player who's gone straight into the Bayern Munich first team for free and you know by all accounts from what i'm reading on social media has done a very very good job so far and you lose a player like michael elise to crystal palace you know they've got a of all the teams in in the premier league you look at crystal palaces okay they're, they're not going to you know challenge for europe you wouldn't have thought but they'll be entertaining along the way and a lot more than some other teams so those sort of signings you know garnered a lot of attention and then by nature that all then pointed back to Redigers, you know why is this situation being allowed to happen Where's the money going? All this sort of stuff. Um, you know, Panovic was quite—he uh, was quite honest. He said that you know it, it maybe came as a touch of a surprise just how bad the, the financial situation was. But you know, he was—he had the plan for the long run. He was strong that you know he, he knew what he wanted to do in the coming season. He was strong on the Josh Lawrence links. He was quite defiant in a lot of what he was saying. So yeah, it. it 
I would uh, I would be I would say that maybe the the, the mood has been exaggerated a little bit on social media I, by by no you know we're not out of the woods and I'm not saying that the situation's all rosy but I think if you do just take a step back the, the club are doing everything they can and at this point the squad is not okay it's looking a bit bare in terms of depth but in terms of quality you know a lot of a lot of teams around the division would snatch a hand off for players like Ovi Ajaria, John Swift, Lucas Yao you know, Andy Yeardom, I think, would, would have a lot of suitors, young players like Holmes and, and McIntyre, Josh Lauren, Andy Rinnemann. There's a lot there. So I think it's just, and also Reading did very, very well last year. And there's, you don't want it to all sort of crumble and, and go away. And there's that concern amongst supporters. And I get that. But I think at this point, I, I don't necessarily think we, we should be blaming anyone other than people who are no longer at the club. Well, one of the more promising things that happened this season is that Tom McIntyre did actually sign a new deal um, for three years as well. So he's tied down for the foreseeable future. Um, are we expecting more um, kind of contract news to come out soon? Is it something that they're going to be working on post-transfer window or or are we in such a situation that that's not really something we can think about at the minute? Well, Panovich said that Within the next sort of two or three months, uh, they're going to start looking at it and hopefully opening uh, opening up discussions with players that they want to keep um, on board. At this point, you know, players like Josh Laurent, um, I don't think they're currently in the situation where they can offer him the deal that would probably immediately make him sign on the dotted line. I think maybe in a couple of months that, that situation may have changed. I think it'll be a, an ongoing process probably throughout the season. Um, you know, Tom uh, McIntyre signed the new deal, but, you know, that was bubbling under the surface for a lot of months. There was obviously, you know, the Richard situation, but I think also the club will have learned its lesson with players like Omar Richards because, you know, he is probably, I'd say, a £15 million pound player, conservatively. Um, you know, maybe even more than that. Michael Elise, £8 million, I think, again, you could probably double that and you wouldn't necessarily... I mean, you look at, you know, the money that Buendia went for, uh, players like that. I think Reading have had a in the, just in those two deals they've had a shocking summer, but that has been it. So I think, yeah, they, they, they'll be they'll be wary of that and certainly keen to to tie down those players. And also, you know, Michael Morrison signed a new deal, and I think that was important because, um, you know, what you make of whether he's you know the the best defender in the league, okay, he's not, but he's a brilliant communicator. He's brilliant for the, for the younger players to come through. He's very, very open. And I think he's very committed and there's a, a lot, you know, good stuff with him. So it's, you, you kind of, it, I think it very depends, very much depends on whether, you know, you're more optimistic than others. It's just, there. there is, I think certainly light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, we've strung people along for uh, almost 15 minutes now. So I guess I should ask you whether there will be any incomings like, what is the Kadeem Harris situation? And is there anyone else that Reading are looking at? Uh, so the Kadeem Harris situation, he's still currently on trial at the club. I think he, what Panovic said is he, he was pinged uh, by the, the COVID app um, prior to his arrival. So they wanted to get him at the club earlier, but he obviously couldn't take part in training and what have you. And by that point, I think it was uh, two, I think Panovic said it was two days before the Palace game. So you've only got two days then for him to make an impression in training. And then obviously the, the Palace game, 
So Panovic wanted to, to keep him at the club for a little bit longer, see how he does in training this week, and then hopefully, should the clarity come sooner rather than later, maybe make a move. I think he would be a sensible addition. Um, it wouldn't it wouldn't set the world alight, but that's the sort of player that I think Reading would want. In terms of other arrivals, I think there has been a little bit of murmurings uh, behind the scenes, but I wouldn't disclose any names or, or, or numbers yet. But I certainly am aware that, you know, there is a plan in motion behind the scenes uh, if and when the, the clarification is received. But I, I wouldn't want to sit here and say, oh, yeah, it's going to be eight new players because I don't think it'll be that. But if Reading came out of this transfer window without assuming that the, the clarification is received maybe in the next week or so, I would be surprised to see Reading not bringing in less or bringing in less than maybe three players. I think three or four would probably be the target at this point. And I think there's a few names that um, there's there's a little bit more interest in than others. But at this point, you know, there's no point getting anyone's hope up because it's an unpredictable situation and you also don't know what the EFL are going to say. And without trying to put you on the spot, would would that be in the loan market or, or are we talking free agents from what you've heard? Uh, I think from what I've heard that there's interest in one, I, I know there's interest in one loan signing and other than that, yeah, I think it would be it would be a, a mixture of both. Um, perhaps I would say perhaps maybe that they may be more inclined to try and get a couple of frees in. I think that there's a little bit more uh, wiggle room in terms of the contract contractual situation. Obviously, um, you know if you if you're going after a, a lone player who's going to come in, a young player who's going to come in and immediately make the difference, you're going to be playing paying a decent you know a decent wedge a week for that for that player. So maybe they'll look more at the free agents, but I think there is a bit of interest in both. Okay, well, you know, that's, that sounds more positive than than I went into this podcast well, yeah, thinking, I, so that's nice. I, th- I think there, there there has been a... What, the one thing I, I would say, and, you know, by, as I've said many times on this podcast, obviously football's a game for fans and everyone's entitled to their opinion. But at the same time, you know, there's been frustration that Reading haven't been able to spend the money. But there's also been frustration of how wasteful Reading have been previously. So you, you've kind of got to... You can't necessarily have it both ways. I think if Reading... You know, went gung ho if the EFL situation wasn't there and it didn't work out, then you know, in a year's time we'd be having these same conversations. But then if Reading don't spend anything and you know, a bit more conservative and try and sort their finances out, that also garners frustration. So it's got to be, I think, there's got to be a patience, I think, in the club and also I think in the manager. You know, I, I, as I've said, he, he doesn't do everything perfect, Panovic, but. In terms of the hands he's been dealt over his first season with COVID, with you know not being able to have supporters in, with having a lot of injury concerns last year, now he's got this to deal with. He's not done a bad job. He really hasn't done a bad job, and I think that does perhaps get lost at times. And you know, by all means, if we're sitting here chatting in a month's time and Reading are yet to get a win, then yeah, I, I will echo the uh, the concerns. But I think. It, it, both on a, you know, Panovic is doing, the, I think, the best he can at the moment for the players he's got and, and in terms of trying to bring in, in fresh faces. And I guess the last thing I should ask you is what is your prediction for Saturday? I know we haven't talked about the game that much, but, you know, other other things are more interesting currently. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, I think, you know what, I think it's a really tough one to call because I think, it's going to be very interesting to see how players react to, um, you know, having supporters back in the ground. 
whether Stoke come out like a team, you know, a team possessed because they have a, a, a cracking noise behind them, that might sway the result. But I think if you were asking me on a pure footballing level, um, I think I'd go for maybe a conservative one-all draw, but maybe that might be influenced one way or another by the, uh, you know, by the, the slightly, well, I shouldn't say unfamiliar, but it is at the moment unfamiliar, uh, you know, circumstances of tomorrow, but hopefully more familiar as in the future. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Like the crowd could play such a role tomorrow that it could mm. almost be any scoreline. Um, I, though, I'm going to go with the traditional Stoke Reading nil-nil. Um, I think I think saying anything else is foolish. And I'm sorry to to call you out, but it, there's no way it doesn't happen. <laughs> well, that's fine. At least we know if it, if it is nil-nil and we, we all come back thinking, God, that's what we've waited for, then I have someone to blame. So it's all right. Well, it's just it's just tradition at this point, and, yeah. and you shouldn't you shouldn't mess with tradition. I don't think. Okay, uh, so if I, I was going to say if I can put you on the spot very quickly, then where do you think Reading will finish? I think I had them as fifteenth in in our preview pod um, for the championship. I can't remember where we put them as like a collective, but I think I had them in fifteenth. I'm not 15th. as down as as some, but obviously I think it will be a tougher season than last year when you've lost two of your better players and not replaced them with anyone. Yeah, fair enough. I, I won't bother just repeating what you've said, but I, w- I would m- maybe go a couple of places higher. But other than that, yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's difficult to tell this year. I think the championship has some, you know, less than good teams in. Like yeah, I, think I, think... I think the overall, uh, you know, uh, level of the league has probably dropped a little bit. I think it has, but I think there might be a few clubs that, that surprise a few. I think the ones... I would certainly be looking out for this year would probably be Middlesbrough and Luton. Um, I think Middlesbrough, love him or loathe him, I personally absolutely adore the bloke. Uh, Neil Warnock, I think he's one of the best managers you can get at this level. Um, I think he'll they could well be doing well with the against fans coming back into the ground, thirty odd thousand hopefully for them. There'll be, you know, I think something could happen there. And Luton, I thought I was impressed with them last year. They might not have been the most attractive to watch but they've got a very good very good young manager and um i think probably less pressure on them than a lot of clubs so i think they they might be some uh, the, the two dark horses of the year yeah I completely agree i think that you know i just hope that neil warnock has enough photos of himself in that bum bag for all the people that are going to want him. i would I, if 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 hopefully the the press conferences won't be done via zoom and they will be done in person and if there's any chance i could get one I will be asking and I will completely be ignoring my professionalism because there's nothing I would love more than having a Neil Warnock signed photo. Well, you know, you've got to, you've got to strive for something in life, I guess. Uh, well, the job. Thanks, the job. thanks very much, Matt. Um, enjoy your trip up to Stoke. I'm sure it will be fun. You know, whatever happens. I, I, I am that drive. I am anticipating to a degree that you probably wouldn't understand. I cannot wait. Well, yeah, I'll see you there. I am going. So, um, well, I'll give you a wave if I pass you on the uh, um, M6, I think it will be trying to work out. Yeah, M6. Yeah, M6. Okay, well, next up, we talk to the Wizards of Drivel podcast about the Stoke side. I'm here with David from the Wizards of Drivel podcast. How are you doing, David? I'm very well, Matt. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Um, It's been a, a long time since fans can go. To stadiums, uh, like, are, are you going on Saturday? Are, are you looking forward to it? 
Yeah, I am. It's um, my first proper game of football in, uh, well, coming up in nearly two years now. And um, I've got my season ticket in the post the other day. And, you know, Stoke v Reading's hardly like, you know, an amazing game to return to. But now it's almost here. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah. No, I think the last three games at the Bet365 between us have ended nil-nil or something. I seem to remember an absolutely horrendous game just after Mark Bowen had come in where I'm pretty sure neither side had a shot on target. So, you know, the atmosphere will presumably be good, though. Like, uh, you know, uh, do you know how many tickets you've sold, how full the stadium will be? Um, I'm not sure how many we've sold, but I think it will be fairly full i mean since we've come down to the championship and we've added an extra corner to the ground like filling the ground's been pretty difficult but i imagine we'll push close to full capacity with it being the first game in you know however many months so it'll be interesting to see what the kind of take-up is because i think tickets are sort of reasonably priced so yeah fingers crossed for a relatively full stadium yeah, so I mean, let's talk about, you know, the actual team. It seems to me like Stoke is still in a semi-transitional phase with uh, not Martin O'Neill, Michael O'Neill. Um, and it seems like there was a lot of outgoings this summer and and a, a couple of good signings, but not too many. Is it still, you know, almost rebuilding from those Premier League outlays? Yeah, basically. Well, essentially what this summer has been is been rebuilding from the last uh, two or three seasons of failed championship signings, to be honest. If you look at the players who've gone, there's been the likes of Liam Lindsay, Ryan Woods, Jordan Cousins, um, Sam Vokes, Moritz Bauer. All these players kind of signed with an eye to perhaps getting us back into the Premier League or building a promotion push. And for one reason or another, they haven't worked out. So there have been a lot of outgoings this season. Only Nathan Collins to Burnley is the only kind of player you actually a bit sorry to see the back of, if I'm honest. So it's been about shifting the deadwood really for us. And it has been encouraging that we've not, you know, brought in 10 or 12 players to replace them. We, we seem to have maybe actually thought about our signings this season as opposed to try and build a whole new squad. So Ben Wilmot in from Watford, I think, is a, a positive signing. He's very highly rated. Vrancic from Norwich has looked good in pre-season. Uh, we've just signed or officially signed Sam Sorich from Bournemouth today. And these players seem to be, they're perhaps not, you know, amazing players who are going to take us to the top of the league, but they are improvements on what we've sold, which is encouraging. And um, does the style of football, is that kind of a continuation from last season, even with all this kind of squad churn? Like pre-season, you seem to have been doing fairly well. I think only one loss to Wigan and like a couple of decent results against Premier League sides. Yeah. Um, pre-season, we, we seem to be playing some good football. It's, it's a bit hard to really judge yet, uh, more so because there's players missing and uh, like Tyrese Campbell is still like really notable by his absence uh, hope hoping to get him back around September October time so we we're yet to see like what a first choice Stoke City attacking setup would look like um it has been encouraging that Powell and Rancic are both uh getting minutes and playing well because they they are the kind of keys to us scoring goals in the first place so uh fingers crossed that 
that will continue into the season. And also, uh, Stephen Fletcher seems to be uh, just carrying on with his scoring touch as well. So, yeah, some some encouraging signs there. But we, I think we're just maybe one or two players short of what we'd hoped for at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of interesting strands just in that answer, really. Like, Tyrese Campbell is one. Um, how do you think that you'll do before he gets back? Because he was a big miss at the back end of last year. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, we haven't signed a direct replacement for him. and I, it, That would be very hard to do. It would be very hard to sign a direct replacement for Tyrese Campbell. It's more so about maybe tweaking the system a little bit to cope with his absence. So um, whether that's going sort of more central, uh, playing Vrancic and Powell, I'm not really sure. Um, or using Surridge as a kind of target man, maybe in the front two. Um, yeah, it, it could be it could be a bit awkward in the early phases because, as you said, in the, the latter half of last season, we completely fell off a cliff and we didn't really properly find a way of recovering uh, what he brought to us, not only in terms of goals, but in terms of assists as well. So um, we might it might be a case of us trying to slowly find our feet um, without him. Uh, but I think that's what this piece might have been about for Stoke is trying out different systems. I think we've played with wing backs in a kind of 3-5-2 in a lot of the games as well. So kind of tweaking around with, with that kind of system might uh, sort of guide us through those early months. Yeah, and you also brought up uh, Stephen Fletcher, who's 34 now. And you kind of look through the list of Stoke players and you've got James McLean, he's 32. Uh, Vrancic is 32 as well, even though you've just signed him. Klukas, 30. Jarvan, 31. Is having a squad like that going to hinder like the way you want to play at all? Like, is the energy still there? Because I mean, when we signed Charlie Adam from you, his legs had somewhat gone by that point. And um, yeah, I mean, you, you've complimented them with some youngsters like Campbell. Um, but is it just, yeah, I, I, I wonder if, if you think uh, that maybe those legs are going to go at some point and that's going to be a struggle for Stoke. Um, possibly. Um, well, cer- well, certainly in the case of Charlie Adam, his legs have gone four or five years before we <laughs> sold him to you. So uh, I, I can see what you mean. I mean, uh, McLean, for example, I don't think he's going to feature this season. He seems to be uh, being pushed very unceremoniously out the door. Um, we have kind of... I'm not sure how many players we've got who would I'd categorise as mid-20s because just thinking about it, we either seem to have players under 23 or players over 30. So whilst we do have those kind of more experienced players, we've got guys like Wilmot, who we've just signed, Alfie Doughty, um, Josh Tymon, Jacob Brown... Uh, Oakley Booth, and we're bringing uh, and Harry Souter, who is a massively important player for us at the back. He's just returned from the Olympics with Australia. And so we've got quite a sizable crop of players who were coming through and got minutes last season, perhaps due to injuries and suspensions more than anything. But guys like Joseph Bursick has come through and he's, he's going to be contending for the number one shirt this season. So um, I th- I'm trusting O'Neill to find a blend, to be honest, because as you say, um, I think an injury to Fletcher, for example, who, as you say, he's advancing in years, 
an injury to Fletcher at this stage could really, really hurt us because we don't really have much in the way of goals beside him. And uh, the other thing that I was really interested by is last season you had kind of three goalkeepers who all played the same number of minutes and you just touched mm. on uh, Bursic there. Um, who do you think is going to be number one going into the season? Um, I know a lot of Stoke fans want it to be Joe Bursic because uh, kind of one of our own and when he played for us, he really caught us off guard with just how good he was. He's under 21 England international, but some of the saves he was making and his athleticism was um, tremendous in that 15 or so games he played. And he had like two or three loan spells in league one where he just seemed to get every team he played for promoted pretty much. Um, so whilst he's very exciting, we, he still is only 21 and Adam Davis, on the other hand, I think is comfortably our best keeper. He's he's twenty nine. He's he's experienced. He's got plenty of championship minutes under his belt. So I think it will be Davis one, Bursic two. But I wouldn't be surprised if that changes perhaps very quickly into the season. There's also uh, Jack Bonham who we've signed from Gillingham, who I don't know anything about at all, and I don't know if he'll feature in that conversation. But yeah, it's Bursic just to just about being uh, kept off number one by Adam Davis. Yeah, so I mean, how do you think your season is going to go overall? I think in our preview pod, we had you like in the top 10, kind of if if Campbell comes back in and plays really well, like can see you pushing towards playoffs or, I mean, you didn't didn't finish that well last season, so that, that could come into it again. Yeah, where, where do you think you're going to finish? Well, I think we're in agreement with pretty much everyone who's done those pre-season predictor tables. Pretty much every podcast, every magazine I've read has had us uh, in the top 10, but not in the playoffs. So we've we've gone for ninth uh, on our podcast. And yeah, I think that's just a reflection on where we are. We have good players. We are, we're pretty strong in terms of certainly the defence, very, very strong at the back, good goalkeepers, good centre-halves, um, bits of quality in attack with likes of Powell and uh, Campbell when he's back and Fletcher, but just missing that little bit of that little X factor that pushes a team from sort of mid table into the top half. So uh, a lot of fans have pointed at right back or right wing back as a bit of a weaker area for us. We've only really got Tommy Smith there, who's a good player, but again, pushing on a bit. So yeah, we're just missing a little bit of spark from somewhere. We keep being linked with uh, Liam Delap from Manchester City because the Delap connection, I suppose, and that would be amazing. But even then, he'd still be an 18-year-old without kind of much experience. So I wouldn't put all my eggs in that basket. But yeah, it's it's hard to really pin down what it is exactly we need, but I guess we'll we'll know it when we see it. Yeah, that's always the way, isn't it? Um, and given that fans are back, as we said, what, what's your top recommendation for any Reading fan travelling up this weekend? What's good to do in Stoke? Um, now, I'm not actually from Stoke, Stoke myself, but um, I would say main things that people from Stoke always tell you to do, first of all, is have a Staffordshire oat cake, um, which is, uh, how do I describe a Staffordshire oat cake? Like a savoury crepe that you have, like bacon, sausage, cheese in, so like have your English breakfast stuff inside this wrap thing. It tastes a lot nicer than it sounds. And 
Um, there's a there's a canal barge by the ground where you can get one before the game, so that's always good. Um, if you, I mean, if you're interested in pottery, there's absolutely, uh, you know, loads of stuff to do. Uh, and yeah, Trenton Monkey Forest, it's great. Go to Trenton Monkey Forest if you got time before the game as well. Well, thank you very much. Uh, finally, what's your prediction for the game? Um, I, I normally try and sit on the fence, but I will be going with a solid nil-nil here. I think it's written in the stars. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, you know, taking that pre-season optimism with me until about, you know, two o'clock on Saturday when the teams are announced and I have a bit of a hissy fit. Um, I'm going to say 2-1 to Stoke, just just based on nothing. Just 2-1 to Stoke. <laughs> to be honest, given the way that... Uh, we've set up recently i'd probably be happy with just scoring a goal like that i'll take that uh our, our forwards uh well actually to be fair lucas Zhao's back now and lucas Zhao normally normally bags a goal or two um well david from wizards of dribble thank you very much i hope that it's a better game than it might look like on paper <laughs> yes me too thanks matt thanks